0: Welcome to PreachingChrist.org The preaching ministry of Father Patrick Malone Vicar of Holy Cross Anglican Church in Milwaukee If you have any questions about the Bible or the Christian life Contact us at Patrick at PreachingChrist.org It's interesting, um, as I was... Putting out the smaller signs, I heard our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters across the street on their large uh, music bells. Uh, By the time it took me to walk around the whole church, I heard three Protestant hymns coming out of the bells. As you notice here, we see red on the altar. And our Lutheran brothers and sisters celebrate as a holy day. It's an important day for us. It's not considered a holy day. But the day that they're celebrating will also be the topic of my sermon this morning, which is Reformation Sunday. Uh, Depending on what Anglican church you go to, uh, the, the church may acknowledge it, celebrate it, ignore it. But on october thirty first fifteen seventeen, so two years ago was the five hundredth year anniversary of an Augustinian monk named Martin took ninety five propositions, ninety five questions, ninety five uh, ideas that he thought needed to be talked about within the church. There was only one church in the West. Uh, We now call it the Roman Catholic Church because it uh, is distinguished from other churches. And one of the questions that he believed needed to be talked about was something very disturbing that was going on, and that was the selling of indulgences the selling of indulgences. And depending on the indulgence, an indulgence is a, a, a decree put out by the Pope uh, that certain holy acts, if they are done by the believer, uh, certain category or all sins of that person could be forgiven. So indulgences became very popular uh, and became very prominent during the Crusades. It was a way to motivate uh, the Western Church to go and uh, potentially sacrifice their life uh, to take back Jerusalem and to help our Eastern Christian brothers and sisters in the Orthodox Church. And so certain indulgences, certain uh, number of, uh, of your sins or maybe all of your sins, depending on, on the indulgence that was given, could be forgiven. Or you could uh, do certain acts to pay for the uh, forgiveness of sins for another person. So, for example, you might go to fight in the Crusades To get your mother out of purgatory, or your father out of purgatory, or your children out of purgatory, or yourself out of purgatory. And what turned into be something that was a a noble motivator became very, very crass by the time we went from the 1200s into the 1500s. And in order to raise money for St. Peter's Square and St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican City, uh, there was a a gentleman named uh, Tetzel who was going around Germany, and for a certain amount of money, you can get a plenary or a complete indulgence for your sins or for someone else's sins. And so what had turned into doing good works by the grace of God to get you out of purgatory turned into basically buying the forgiveness of sins. Now, you may think this is a medieval practice that no longer takes place. This is a current doctrine within the Roman Catholic Church. And I remember when St. Benedict was being uh, installed as the pope, uh, a plenary indulgence was decreed that if you were there in uh, the Vatican City or if you watched on television or you listened on the radio to his uh, inauguration as, and coronation as Pope, you would receive a plenary indulgence. So all your sins up until that day were forgiven. And uh, or you could apply this uh, to a loved one. And so I've been taking classes in a Roman Catholic uh, theological institute over the past couple of years uh, to, prepare, uh, to better prepare for my chaplaincy, and I found some very interesting things about the doctrine of salvation within the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, I, I can start to see how they have arrived at their doctrines. But I also have found that they're incredibly complicated and nuanced. My father was a butcher on and off during most of my life, and he worked for a German butcher in Bedford, Ohio, and he was a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod butcher in Bedford, Ohio. His name was Walter Elbrecht. And his son lives in the area here. And Walter told my father that the important doctrines of Scripture can be understood by a kindergartner. The important doctrines of Scripture could be understood by a kindergartner. Now I have advanced degrees in theology and I'm taking another certificate in theology. And the Roman Catholic doctrine of salvation is incredibly complicated and nuanced. But as we look at our sermon text this morning, John 3:16, we see something very different. Something that is not complicated. Something that is not terribly nuanced. And what we see, first of all, is that God was motivated by his love to save the world. The love of God was the motivation to save us from our sins. And he is not a complicated taskmaster who has set up a a barely impossible uh, course for us to walk in. He's given us a very simple plan with very simple language. He has not set up an impossible obstacle course for us to go through. Look at the words with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, I only count one two-syllable word there. Or maybe there's none. These are one-syllable words that describe the motivation of God. And his motivation was love. Love for you, love for me. Here it says, love for the world. And we need to remember that. For European faces, for African faces, for Hispanic faces, for Irish faces, for Eastern European faces, for Italian faces, for brown faces, for Asian faces, for black African faces. God so loved the world that he gave. It wasn't that he so loved the world that he demanded. He so loved the world that he gave. But Our modern understanding of this verse is slightly distorted, and I think the way our comfortable words say it is actually more accurate. Many people, when we see, for God so loved the world, they see that as the intensity of God's love. God loved us so much. This is the intensity of his love, but that's not what this is saying. The so there is not about intensity, but the so is giving us an example of how the love is demonstrated. God's love is intense for us, but we could say it this way. For God loved us thusly, in this manner, in this way, that he gave his only Son. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of God controls us, because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. Who for their sake died and was raised. Or Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Martin Luther, in somewhere between 1512 and 1517, saw the verse that John Rohr read for us today. And that verse tells us this. Since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, they are not justified, they are now justified by grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ. It's a gift. It's not something we earn. We don't have to pay money. We don't have to do good works. Because Christ's good works are sufficient. This is why... One of our articles in the 39 Articles, and you can look in the back of your 1928 prayer book at the 39 Articles, it calls purgatory repugnant. Repugnant. Because the doctrine of purgatory is linked to the doctrine of indulgences, and they both teach us that the redemption that Christ earned was not sufficient, and you have to do a little bit more. And if you don't do enough, then you have to go suffer somewhere. For 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, a million years, until you have purged all the wickedness out of you. But the doctrine taught in Scripture is something different. Notice in your proper sheet... Turning to the third page, verse 25. Whom God God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effected through faith. How do we come to have salvation? It's made effective... Not through good works, not through paying money, not through beating yourself. It's effective when we trust in Jesus Christ. And we see that here in this passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, Whoever trusts in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The instrument, the way in which we receive eternal life, is not through good works. If you're coming to church to impress God so that you can get into heaven, that is a terrible plan. If you think you're impressing God by coming to the Mass... That is wrong thinking. The reason we come to church, the reason we come to the table, the reason we bring our children for baptism, the reason we sit under the teaching of Scripture is so that we can know Jesus more and love him more. And by telling ourselves and those around us, I can't live this life without the broken body of Christ. It's not to gain brownie points. It's to say thank you. Salvation is provided by the gift of the incarnate Jesus Christ. And salvation is received by faith or by trust. Trusting, I think, is a better word for us today. Trusting. Because trust shows us that we have faith and then we're acting on it. Now, none of you, when you came today, brought engineering measuring devices to see if the pews you're sitting in will hold your weight. It held your weight last week, and the week before, and the week before that. And so you came in here saying, these pews have held my weight since April when we've been here, and so I don't have to worry about it today, I'm going to plop down and sit. That's what trust is. Jesus' promises have been true all of my life. And I'm going to trust him today. I'm going to trust him for my my eternal destiny and security. If you have a Bible, the verses just prior to John 3.16 say this, No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so that the Son of Man may be lifted up, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The picture here is in Numbers where the children of Israel were being bitten by snakes. And Moses took and made a bronze snake and put it on a stick. And whoever looked at the bronze snake were given a spiritual antidote And the snake venom didn't kill them, they lived. This is in Numbers 21. And so, John is recording this event for Jesus, where Jesus says, I'm like the bronze snake. If you look to me, you will get the spiritual anti-venom, which will save you from your sins. I am that spiritual anti-venom, says Jesus. And it takes, as Jesus was talking about earlier in John 3, it takes the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to turn our neck and look at Jesus. To turn our neck and say, that is what saves me, Christ on the cross. Many people see crosses, but they're not looking at the cross with the eyes of faith. It's an ornament. It's a piece of jewelry. But the Christian looks at Jesus raised up on a stick, and they say, that is the thing that saves my wretched soul. And the only reason I can look is because God was motivated by love. And the only reason I can look is that Jesus, Jesus was given as a gift. And the only reason I can look is because the Holy Spirit has worked in my heart to give me faith to want and to know Jesus. We are Anglicans for a reason. There are so many times where I think, why can't we unite with the Roman Catholic Church? Their liturgy is so beautiful. The people are so devout. The history is so amazing. But we come to the little problem of how does someone find the forgiveness of sin? And my dear brothers and sisters in the Roman Catholic Church hear from their pulpits and from their catechisms And from the Sea of Rome, you have to do. You have to do. And the 39 articles, and those who were teaching during the time of the Reformation, and the Holy Scripture, the Holy Scripture, doesn't say do, it says done. It's been done for you. Christ did it all for you. And all we have to do is turn our neck and say, Jesus, save me. Because your sins have already been forgiven. The love of God has already sent the Son. And the love of the Son motivated him to sacrifice his own life on the cross. And that if we believe in what Christ has done, we will not perish, but we will have eternal life. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.